Welcome, patrons, and thank you for joining us at this special event. This is 10 Things, a series devoted to presenting 10 more things about all those great Saturday morning shows of the 1980s. If you're joining us, it means you wanted more than the Saturday morning podcast had to offer. Think of this as the after show, where we can make a good thing last just a little longer. So grab a can of new Coke and a handful of fruit wrinkles and come back with me to the 80s. Rewind! Again! Saturday Supercade ran for two seasons and 26 episodes, but you already knew that. In fact, there's a lot you already know if you listen to this Saturday morning podcast. While we explored Saturday Supercade, there is still plenty to look back on. Here are 10 things you might not know about Saturday Supercade. Number 10. During the run of the first season, there was a segment of the show based on the popular video game Cubert. For the first year, Cubert would alternate stories with Pitfall. By the second season, Pitfall was gone and Cubert was front and center as one of the weekly installments. Based on the popular 1982 arcade game by Gottlieb, Cubert took place in Cuburg and followed the adventures of teenage Cubert and his friends. All the characters had a Q at the beginning of their name, such as Cubert's girlfriend, QT. The culture and vibe of the series was straight out of the 1950s, and why shouldn't it be? The animators were likely looking back nostalgically, bringing them back to their earliest memories, the 1950s. This would be a trend in animation and feature films in the 1980s. The best example of 50s loving may be Back to the Future, still two years away at this point. This segment of Saturday Supercade featured Cubert getting away from the school bullies, Coily, Ugg, and Wrongway. To do this, Cubert was given Slippy Doos, a black projectile that shot from his nose. The series also featured the trappings of the game in the form of block hopping, flying discs, and of course, the bubble swearing. Finally, a video game that swore like our dads. Cubert ran for 19 segments. Number 9. Confident hero Space Ace is partially hit by evil commander Borf's Infanto Ray, making him weak and clumsy. Space Ace's crew tries to hide the fact that the former hero is now a child and comedy ensues. This show is based on the video game of the same name produced by the Bluth Group, as in Don Bluth, the animator behind An American Tale. They also created the Dragon's Lair video game in 1983. Space Ace, appearing in 1984, featured fully rendered animation and the game played from a laser disc player. It was more of an interactive movie than a video game, but required the player to move the joystick in certain directions or hit a button to move the story forward. Because the game was done on the cheap, the animation studio decided not to hire actors to voice the characters. Instead, the staff of the game studio provided voices, and even Don Bluth got into the act as Commander Borf. Saturday Supercade fortunately had the money to hire actual actors. Space Ace was voiced by Jim Piper, Kimberly was handled by Nancy Cartwright, while Commander Borf was voiced by Arthur Burkhart. 
The show ran for 13 segments and sometimes appears on Cartoon Network and Boomerang. Number 8. Who Could Forget Kangaroo, the 1982 Atari game about a boxing glove-wearing mother kangaroo who goes on a journey to rescue her kidnapped kids from banana-throwing monkeys. And who wouldn't believe that would be the basis for a segment on Saturday Supercade? It was the 80s, it all made sense back then. The arcade game was inspired by Donkey Kong, but wasn't a direct ripoff. There was enough original thinking that it could stand on its own. The cartoon version centered around Joey Kangaroo and his mother, K.O. Katie Kangaroo. Mother, son, and friends must stop the Monkey Biz gang from making trouble for Mr. Friendly, the local zookeeper. The cast featured a David Mendenhall as Joey and Mia Martinow as K.O. Mendenhall may be familiar to moviegoers of the 80s, as he played Sylvester Stallone's son in the 1987 arm wrestling masterpiece Over the Top. Martinow would go on to lend her voice to Centurions in 1986. Number 7. In the Donkey Kong segments, we find ape chasers Mario and Pauline trying to get Donkey Kong back to the circus. Mario would be best remembered as a plumber, but that's in the future. This Mario is whatever Nintendo needed him to be. In the Donkey Kong video game, he was a hero going after a big ape that had abducted his niece. Although, growing up, I had assumed that Pauline was Mario's girlfriend. This show makes it apparent that the mythos of Super Mario was made up on the fly and then pieced into something coherent at a later date. The character of Pauline was created for the video game Donkey Kong and then used here for the weekly adventures. Flash forward to 2017, Nintendo releases the Switch, their newest gaming console, along with the game Super Mario Odyssey. Odyssey finds Mario questing through different kingdoms trying to rescue Princess Peach from the terrible beast Bowser. Along the way, Mario stops in New Donk City, a metro area that celebrates Donkey Kong in every imaginable way. There are billboards, art from old arcade cabinets, and the streets are named after DK's relatives. At the center of it all is the mayor, and the mayor just happens to be Pauline. During a citywide festival, we even find that Pauline can sing and dance. Number 6. After Saturday Supercade, Donkey Kong and Donkey Kong Jr. had a bright future. As fans of Nintendo know, DK would grow old and become Cranky Kong, and Jr. would grow up to take his father's place in the video games that came after this series. I am of course talking about the Donkey Kong Country series of games. The ape characters went from being on the run to settling into a home sweet home in a swamp. Donkey Kong Country helped to reinvent DK, making the ape relevant again. It pushed the Donkey Kong mythos past Saturday Supercade. It elevated the character past that ape that once kidnapped Pauline. Villains such as King K. Rule and the Kremlings were created to terrorize Donkey Kong Country and bring purpose to the main characters. The game was released in November 1994, brought DK back to the forefront, and Nintendo has been releasing Kong games ever since. I think we can all credit Supercade with keeping the Donkey Kong brand alive. Wink! After these messages, we'll be right back. Let's get him to leave so we can play. Bunny, want to ride my new bike? No thanks. Telephone, Bunny. Take a message, please. No one can say no to quick. Say, Bunny, want some quick? 
Great. I'll get it. I've got it. Oh, quick is so rich. And thick. And milk chocolatey. That was good. Oh, since you're not playing. Nestle Quick Chocolate Flavor. No one can say no to quick. Inside the city of Tuthopolis, our powerful secret weapon, Advanced Formula Crest Gel, is ready. And just in time as... Cavity Creeps attacking! Pull out the Crest Teeth! Who's, who's, who's in teeth? Crest Gel, Crest Gel. Crest Gel with more fat. Ready, sir? Fire away! <laughs> Repelled by Crest Gel. Yeah! Watch sweet. See your dentist. And fight the Cavity Creeps with our great tasting secret weapon. Advanced, Advanced Formula Crest Gel! Donkey Kong brand cereal has a sweet, crunchy corn taste. And boy, is it fun to crunch. It's part of this complete breakfast. Kids, kids, you want to help get Donkey Kong? Give me a crunch. One more. Donkey Kong. <laughs> Donkey Kong cereal. Crunchy barrels of fun for breakfast. You love the crunch. And his son, Donkey Kong Jr. And on with the countdown. Number 5. Writer Buzz Dixon contributed story ideas to Supercade. Looking at his career, he covered a lot of road on Saturday morning. Born in 1953, Dixon's career in animation started in 1978 with Tarzan and the Super 7. He would go on to write for Thunder the Barbarian, Alvin and the Chipmunks, and Mr. T, among others. In 1995, he wrote the script for the video game Terror Tracks, Track of the Vampire. Working with Thunder creator Steve Gerber, Dixon wrote Destroyer Duck for Eclipse Comics. Dixon is still an active writer and runs a blog at buzzdixon.com. Number 4 Writer Paul Dini started at Filmation in 1979 on the new adventures of Mighty Mouse and Heckle and Jekyll. He also worked on Gilligan's Planet and The Gary Coleman Show before crossing paths with Saturday Supercade. Dini wrote the Spaced Out Frogs segment of Frogger. He would eventually work his way into comic books at DC, where he stayed for 20 years. While working at Warner Brothers on Tiny Toon Adventures, Dini would go on to work on several of the Batman animated series. In 1994, Dini and Bruce Tim collaborated on the character Harley Quinn. The character would take on a life of her own, eventually being incorporated into Batman continuity. Dini lives in Los Angeles with his wife, magician Misty Lee, and their two Boston Terriers. Number 3 Frank Welker was involved with Saturday Supercade from the beginning. He voiced Donkey Kong Jr. in the 13 segments produced around this character. Ironically, Welker only voiced one character. For Welker, that's slumming it. However, he was also featured in the Qbert segments where he played seven characters. He played the resident bullies Coily, Ugg, and Wrongway. He played Slick and Sam, as well as two of Qbert's friends, Q-Ball and Q-Mongus. 
While he played the Gang of Bullies on Qbert, he also played the Monkey Biz Gang on Kangaroo. He got to play four characters this time in the form of Bingo, Bango, Bongo, and Fred. The Monkey Biz Gang were also voiced by Pat Fraley. I don't know who originated the roles and who took over, or if they alternated episodes. But the addition of the Monkey Biz Gang brought Welker's voice total up to 12 characters. He voiced the most characters during the run of the show. Number 2 The music of Saturday Supercade was created by Shuki Levy and Haim Saban. Haim Saban, born in Egypt in 1944, was part of an Israeli rock band called The Lion of Judah. The band was close to a breakthrough in 1966 with the single Our Love's A Growing Thing, but the record company ran out of money and the single was shelved. Saban moved back to Israel and focused on becoming a music promoter. In the early 1970s, he moved to France and became a record producer. It was in this capacity that he met Shuki Levy and the two formed a partnership. The duo were very successful in the 80s and had a knack for creating cartoon theme songs that were catchy and memorable. Don't believe me? They created the music for He-Man, Kid Video, Mask, Rainbow Bright, Dennis the Menace, ALF, and the Super Mario Bros. Super Show. Yes, it's them you can blame for that image of Captain Lou that's burned into your brain encouraging you to do the Mario. Perhaps their best-remembered theme song is for Inspector Gadget. If that's not a legacy born in the 80s, I don't know what is. Oh yeah, and Haim Saban would go on to create the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, but that's an episode for the 90s. And now, a very special announcement. In the news, what went up may begin to come down. When oil prices shot sky high, there was economic panic in many countries. Now some people are afraid oil prices may come down. We'll be back with oil prices in the news. And now, oil prices in the news. For 10 years, oil prices have been pushed higher and higher and higher by a group of oil-producing nations known as OPEC, the Organization of Petroleum Exporting Countries. Petroleum is another word for oil, and exporting means that these nations sell their oil to other countries. At its recent meeting in Geneva, Switzerland, OPEC wanted to keep oil prices up by pumping less oil. But OPEC's members could not agree on details. Now, oil experts expect oil prices to go down. There is simply more oil available than is needed. In the late 1970s, rising oil prices encouraged people to save energy in general and use less oil in particular. OPEC's high prices also speeded up the development of oil sources outside of OPEC in Alaska, the North Sea, and Mexico. Now, non-OPEC oil fields outproduce OPEC oil fields. The first benefits from lower oil prices should come in the form of reduced prices for gasoline and heating fuel. Cheaper oil is bad news, though, for countries that depend on oil exports. And it's bad news for bankers who have loaned billions of dollars to countries that had expected to pay the money back out of new riches from high-priced oil. I'm Christopher Glenn with Oil Prices in the News. And 
And now, number one. In the Saturday Morning Podcast, I made a small mention about the rights over the segments of Saturday Supercade. Back in the 1980s, after Nintendo released Donkey Kong, they were sued by Universal Studios over claims that the video game was an infringement of their property, King Kong. The lawsuit occurred in 1982, a year before Supercade came to be. The lawsuit was fought. Nintendo's counsel, John Kirby, found that the characters and scenarios of Donkey Kong were part of the public domain and belonged to no one. Kirby found that Universal had even argued this same point in a previous lawsuit, meaning that Universal knew they didn't own King Kong or any of its characters, but were still suing people over it. Universal lost the lawsuit, appealed, and lost a second time. There was some sort of settlement on the Donkey Kong characters, and now MCA-TV, a division of Universal, holds the international rights for both the Donkey Kong and Donkey Kong Jr. segments of Super King. Qbert was created by Gottlieb Games, which is now owned by Sony Pictures Television. The rest of the segments are still owned by their respective developers. Oddly enough, Saturday Supercade is owned by Hanna-Barbera, now part of Warner Brothers Animation. Looking at all the complicated rights involved, it is doubtful that all the segments will ever be available in a single collection or restored to the original broadcast order. And that is a shame, because watching them in the original order and collected together the way that they originally aired is kind of the best way to sort of relive what Saturday morning at this time was all about. Now, Sony did release a Best of Cubert two-disc DVD set that featured 17 of the 19 Supercade shorts. Space Ace occasionally pops up on Toonami and Boomerang from time to time as filler. Nintendo probably isn't too keen to release this version of Mario, as it might be confusing to a whole generation of Mario fans. Imagine seeing someone called Mario that was not a plumber, not sporting an Italian accent, and didn't have a brother named Luigi. The Supercade Mario is a curiosity, but doesn't gel with the current mythos and has no real place in the continuity. The same for the character of Donkey Kong. As for the rest, well, it might be for the best to leave Quickclaw the Cowardly Mountain Lion lost in 1984. Especially so the Wizard of Oz lawyers don't go after Quickclaw for ripping off Burt Lair. And there you have it, 10 things about Saturday Supercade. Join us next time when we take a deeper look at Saturday morning in the 1980s. Until next time, thanks for tuning in. Thank you for joining us at the Saturday Morning Podcast 10 Things Series. If you'd like to drop us a line, please write to satmornpod at hotmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at satmornpod. Do you have any vintage Saturday morning memories? Email us your story and we could read it on the next episode.